Welcome to the Lions Man Podcast, episode 16. Today I'm joined again by Erica Suter, and we're going to be talking about part two of our annual training protocol. So in episode 14, if you haven't listened to that already, go ahead and pause this and go listen to that episode on off-season and preseason training. Today we're going to be talking about in-season training. So without further ado, you guys know Erica. If you don't, you need to get your life together because she's awesome. And she's going to be dropping all of the truth bombs about in-season training with some serious, practical, and productive tips that are realistic. You can implement them right away. How to train in-season. Here we go. So let's talk about in-season because everybody's got questions about how do we train. So that means the season is going on. Um, Mm -hmm. We've got games at least once a week for the most part outside of international breaks if you're playing on a league level and in college, usually once to twice a week. And at a kid level, you guys are playing now two to three times a week. Am I right? Yes. Yep. So that means we're in the regularly scheduled season, however long that may be for your specific situation. How are we going to approach strength training in season? What I like to focus on is making sure players do not get weaker during this time. So we are still lifting heavy, but the reps are so low that it's not enough to elicit muscle soreness. Can you be more specific? So give me like, so we're going to do a deadlift. What are you looking for? What's the point of this deadlift? And what's the rep scheme cadence? Mm-hmm. So the set and rep schemes, just to give everyone some examples that I like to use during the season are, there's so many, four by twos, three by twos, um, three by fives. I like to do single sets, whether that's like a five by one, a four by one. Um, Those are just to name a few. And if we're looking at percentages, anywhere from 80 to 90% of their max. Okay. So we're talking about a relatively high neuromuscular load for a very short period of time at very low volume. Yeah. It's it's enough to keep them strong and to excite their nervous system. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, just enough. Um, And in a different way than a long, I mean, how many miles, what is it in miles? I think it's six to seven miles that the average player runs during an adult game. Yeah, six to seven miles. So totally different stimulation on the nervous system. Yep, yep. Um, And usually as far as exercise, exercise programming, I'm, I'm hitting every muscle group at least once. So um, hamstrings, back, chest, quad, and then maybe uh, two core exercises in there um, and three to four hip exercises that address adduction, abduction, extension, ex- and flexion. Um, and I might be doing like some reinforcement of running mechanics just to make sure their gait is still good mm-hmm. um, and just still touching on everything, but in a way that's not going to make them sore. So cut the sets and reps in half and just have a lot less volume. But again, like this, this is going to really depend on how the weeks are going. So sometimes athletes will have two or three games a week and sometimes they'll have a bye. So during that bye, I might up the ante depending on their chronic load and how they're feeling and Mm -hmm. use it as a window of opportunity to do more if I can. 
-hmm. but if they're at the point where they're on like a muscle soreness like a a seven or eight out of ten because of the chronic load over the past couple months I might just give them that buy to just relax and enjoy themselves so it's just it's a lot of tweaking as you go it's a lot of open communication and it's really just asking questions and and it's yeah it's a lot of critical thinking and I'm sure there's there's not one right way to do it but if you see your athlete's performance getting worse or their soreness keeps getting worse then that's when you got to be like okay I need to fix something here um and I kind of just gone off of that yeah I mean it's hard. I, I mean, I don't have technology, so it's like, it's really a lot of like human to human interaction and like me figuring it out. <laughs> exactly. But you're getting that quantitative and qualitative thing from your athletes by asking them how they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Which gives you a lot of information actually. Yeah. Um, and yeah. even just like using um, outside resources so I have like one girl who she's super strong she's playing well like her muscle soreness is fine but she's like nursing patellar pain and I've had it like her knee like has gotten to like a nine out of ten just because of all the games like no matter how strong you are at that point like if you have like patellar and growing pains it's really hard with that amount of games Mm -hmm. so I had to refer out I was like look like at this point I can't really solve this as a strength coach. She needs to see the physical therapist to rehab her knee and manage the pain. Cause I can't do pain work or like manual mm-hmm. and, and they, and they did that. So there's just like so many like factors that go into managing athletes in season. And it can't always be you sometimes. Yeah. 100%. I mean, we definitely have to stay in our lane of expertise with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I think for me, the big thing is I completely agree with, in season is about maintenance and all of my athletes move heavyweight in season. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's usually, we have to get, get over the initial blockage of how am I going to move heavy stuff in season when I'm supposed to be able to run fast, which has less to do with, you know, becoming slow, becoming slow because of muscles, for example, but more to do with, isn't that going to make me tired? And again, the thing about the nervous system is it's a totally different kind of, um, stress on your nervous system or excitation of your nervous system let's say it loads your nervous system differently than running six to seven miles in a game or sprinting 30 meters we need to upkeep your ability to do all of those things so having a foundation for strength across your in season is very important and i know i'm basically repeating what you just said but i totally agree with all those rep schemes all my athletes pull we go through all the motions um or all of the um dimensions of movement all of the directions of movement and then I also love a good so I usually get for my online clients or for my like um, single athletes that I consult with we do usually three times a week during in-season match day plus one where they get a good upper body pump and we do kind of a whole body like circuit and then some fatigue regeneration work um, soft tissue work whatever but my big thing is there we can really focus everything on gaining confidence, strengthening the upper body, and then restoring the lower body. And then day two, we have sprints. So speed work, we're going to pull heavy. And then day three is generally the only time that I get to do 
the only time I get to work with them is for priming, like on Saturdays, if they have to play on Sundays, which is when we're literally just waking up the nervous system, getting it popping, few jumps, few sprints, a little bit of strength work, um, you know, some single leg stuff, some single arm stuff, mm -hmm. get a little upper body pump, and then it's regeneration and getting the fuck out. So it's pretty much mm -hmm. one day a week of like really going hard, <laughs> which I yeah. call the, 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 yeah. mini, the mini peak in the week essentially is regeneration and then restoration rebuilding and then I'm peaking them and letting them drop right back off into rest um to regeneration so I do I run, love that I, I run micro cycles in every week um mm -hmm. and so with those three sessions I can w manage that pretty well so I've talked a lot about priming as far as the day before matches but that's really hard yeah. to, to do when you have two to three matches a week like I work with adult it athletes is. for the most part. Like I, you can't say that with a youth athlete because you're just going to be priming them every day of the week. <laughs> like, yeah, that's a, yeah. I thought about that too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> with like the the two game schedule here, I usually just have like the one primer for that like first game of the week, and it's like, all right, like chill chill the hell out after that. Like, yeah, exactly. Um, and but I I love how you you do like the one day where you go hard and then kind of taper it off so it's like mini cycles yeah um i like most of the kids here their games are tuesdays and thursdays so like i use like that saturday to kind of go hard because mm -hmm. um, that gives them enough recovery for the the tuesday game and enough recovery from the thursday game um but it but it's still hard i mean after that that workout where they go hard i i like to sprinkle in some mobility work and some stretching at the end so that they're optimizing their regen time as well yeah absolutely um have you ever had the situation where this is something that i've been dealing with in this in season because i've had a new a lot of new players come to me during the in season so like we didn't have an off preseason they're just coming to me in season and the situation now is kind of like we need to improve. We need to get better because of pretty f poor physical conditioning and pretty serious issues that need to be addressed and gen genuinely cannot go on and acquire volume because we're at risk for injury. <laughs> like, um, but I also can't say don't yeah. play because they're like elite athletes. So, um, but there are some pretty serious issues that need to be addressed. So right now, again, yeah, sports science in the book is nothing like it's like when you're having to coach, when you're being a scientist on the pitch or in the gym. So I have to ask these athletes, this is when load management comes into play really directly in in season. Very important is to say, you're going to be sore probably a little bit the day before game day and a little bit on game day. I need to know how much you can handle on game day because we have to change, like we have to work in this week. Like we don't have a choice. This is what you need to achieve. This is where you're at risk. You might be a tiny bit sore on game day. I need to know how much that's going to, to hurt your performance. And we basically work with gradually working up volume and intensity throughout the week until we find a spot where it's like, Yo, coach, I feel like we might be encroaching the boundary of, you know, it's okay if I have a little bit of booty pain, you know, a little hamstring pain. Yeah. That's usually where yeah. we're struggling, a little low back pain to I'm really fucking hurting and I'm not going to be able to do this. I've never gotten to the point where an athlete's been like, yo, I can't play because this hurts um, or where it improves right. performance, Same. but slowly reaching up to the threshold of, you know, playing with blurring lines, basically, like, how, how much can I load you right here at first because we really need to address these issues? 
without having horrible ramifications. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, and it's hard to figure out when they're really at risk because yeah. there's so much that there's so much that goes into this. Like even beyond just muscle soreness and not feeling physically ready, like what else is going on in their lives? Are they getting good sleep? Do they have to take the SAT on the weekend? Or do they, do they even they remember like a, to eat? Like, right, right. So it's again, it just comes back to making sure your athletes trust you and they know that you got their back during this time and just keeping the, the communication going. I think that's just so valuable when we're dealing with this amount of duress in a season. Absolutely. And you know, one of those athletes, one who got referred to me um, by another one of my athletes because she had really, really, really bad patellar pain in season, of course, the third week of the season, already having really crippling knee pain. We started pushing right. those boundaries and within four weeks, she doesn't have any more knee pain. It's just like, but that has a lot to do as well with the communication with the coach, because I can ask as many questions as I want, but if you don't communicate with me, if you don't give me feedback, like there's no textbook for this. Like if you don't communicate with me, then I don't know what's going on. So it's important that, you know, we ask the right questions, but also the, that athletes communicate with us and give us answers mm -hmm. so that we know how much that they can be pushed in season because it's a very, very fine balancing act. There's no textbook that gives us the outline of how every athlete's body is going to respond and be able to handle stress. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's good. I think it's good that you mentioned that like sometimes we do have to push the boundaries and we can't always be babying our athletes. Um, so it just comes back to ensuring they're still getting better during the season. They're getting better in their strength, especially and yeah, I think if we like tiptoe around strength movements and go at like 70% of their max, we're not maintaining at that point. We're actually getting weaker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Letting that peripheral so, fatigue creep up as well. Inability yep. to produce force of the same, of the same amount mm -hmm. across time. And that's really detrimental to soccer where force is and speed are the names of the game. Yep. And just be, yeah, being able to absorb force because that's where most injuries happen. So what would be the key components that you recommend to athletes training in season? I mean, you and I have talked about this before. There are some wild in season programs. Okay. Like wild. <laughs> yeah. Wild. Well, I think the wildest one is not continuing with your strength coach Yeah, and saying that you don't have time. I always tell my athletes in season, your workouts, don't need to be longer than 30 minutes. So you always have time, whether that's doing hip work or a maximal strength lift before a training session, like you always can make the time. So this year I've been doing it a little differently. A, a lot of my in-person clients, I offer them a hybrid option where they can do some of these in-season workouts on their own time at home. Yeah, So absolutely. it's saving them the stress of driving to me on top of their already crazy schedule. So like the last thing I want to do is really stress them out mentally. So this, this online model has worked really well as far as in-season training and load monitoring. And I encourage anyone listening to this to find an online program or an online consultant who knows what they're doing. It, it, you know, it doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be Julia, but there's so many out there and there's so many opportunities to get in guidance on your own time. 
Yeah, I would also like to say just as a PSA, if you ever see a strength coach, I'm talking about a strength coach, not a rehab coach, not a physical therapist, because everybody does things differently. But if you ever see a strength coach in season and they put you on a BOSU ball or another unstable surface, leave that strength coach. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. Because we only, like Erica said, I completely agree. In season, it needs to be maximum. My athletes get 45 minutes because I do value rest times. Okay. But yeah. like, 45 minutes and you need to be out because there's other things to be worried about. We're literally just like the focus in season shifts to soccer. It shifts to the sport, whatever sport we're in. And this is just supplementary to maintain all of the gains that you already had in the performance across time. Okay. So after 45 minutes, get the fuck out. So if anybody puts you on a ball of some kind, unstable ass surface, they just wasted some of your minutes. Okay. So go pull something heavy mm -hmm. with no shoes on and you've gained yep. your back. Yeah. Yeah. You reclaiming my time, reclaiming my time. If they ever put you on a BOSU ball. That's my rant. Okay. That was a great rant. Thanks. I know you agree. <laughs> uh, yeah, 100%. It, it's, it's so funny because like you said, in-season workouts are just, they're supplemental and they should be 30, 45 minutes max and no BOSU balls. Keep it simple. Do your deadlifts, do your pull-ups, do your split squats. Uh, or, or lunges, whatever it may be, do your anti-rotation core work, your hip work, and boom, get out, you're healthy, you're good to go. It didn't take long. Right. So that's simple. <laughs> that's my rant. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And to give people kind of like a concrete idea of what to do, if you really have to do this by yourself, like, first of all, I have a, a six-week in-season program coming out that I'm just going to release in my store in the next couple of weeks. Cause I think people really, it's really hard to, um, it's just such a balancing act. And so I want to give people a resource that they can go to for relatively cheap um, and be able to implement some things, but for a really, really basic workout structure, like always do a really good warm up first. Okay. And then mm -hmm. I always do as a singular lift, right? Like not a superset, a singular lift, usually a deadlift. If you're only going in once a week, please deadlift, whether it's with a hex bar or with a deadlift. Um, please, <laughs> like, like, please deadlift. It's really important. So that was maybe like a four by three, a four by four, a five by three, whatever. Keep the reps low and the weight high. Exactly. Yeah. And then yeah. I'm doing a superset. So an upper body push, um, mm -hmm. and a lower body pull with, or, um, a lower, but lower body push as well. Sorry. So then we can get out the goblet squats or whatever we want to do. Then we got a giant set, which means three in a circuit. Okay, so then we're doing an upper body pull. So then we can get our chin-ups in. We're going to do a, a lower body single leg. Um, so that's when we can get our split squats, Bulgarians, single leg deadlifts, whatever you got to do in. And then like a carry or a rotation or a sled push or a core or whatever. It's got to be there at the end and then leave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, get out. Go. Yeah. And the reps, my rep schemes never go over 10. Unless it's like we're gonna do a bicep circuit at the end, which is right, right. But my reps yeah, are usually like they're usually like for the accessories six to eight. That's it. Yep. Yeah. And then juice totally. out, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's quite simple. It's easy, and yeah, it's it, it's one of those things that if players, especially young players, are serious about getting to the next level they're going to do the little things like 30 minute in-season lifts 
to take care of themselves and yeah. do like the mundane recovery stretches and, because that's what the pros do. The pros that you work with, Julia, it's like you gotta, you have to do the little things and you have to like, take care of yourself because you want to play, you want to be your best. And sometimes it's doing the small things that go a long way. Yeah. Should, should be habit. Absolutely. And like I said, I've, <laughs> I'm in contact with several German players at the moment who went to college in the United States uh, mm -hmm. and got their asses whooped in the, in the um, strength and conditioning sessions, were totally unprepared for it. And it wasn't because the Americans are super strong. It's because for four years in high school, they were prioritizing strength and conditioning year round. And it's really hard to come into yeah. a weight room where people are squatting three times or um, squatting twice their body weight and pulling three times their body weight, you know, like that's a little exaggerated, but like when, if you have never seen a clean done in your life and somebody cleans their body weight onto their shoulders, you're going to look at them like, Oh, I'm going home. <laughs> like, I'm not doing yeah. this because that's a different animal uh, than somebody who doesn't lift from a preventative perspective, from a strength and speed perspective. And it's really important to implement that year round. And I think we really nailed that home <laughs> as a point <laughs> in this episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And there, and there's so many people that are doing it year round and it's so commendable and you see their success and it's awesome, but there's going to be people, it's going to take them some time to realize this is what it takes to be your best self on the field and to be healthy. And, and that's fine. It's, it's a process and we just want to continue to educate people what's right. Absolutely. So where can the people find you? Because you're giving out free education all the time. Yeah, they can find me at www.ericasuter.com and on Twitter and Instagram, Fit Soccer Queen. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and before you, before you ask Erica a question, just go on to her blog really quick and like scroll down the billions of categories she's got because she has written close to, what is it, 800 articles? <laughs> like, Yeah, it's almost at 600. And yeah, that's, that's such a good point, Julia. Like it, I have more than likely answered everyone's questions on soccer training so just go to the categories recovery nutrition mindset strength training speed training agility like go to those categories you will find your answer and there will be videos <laughs> yeah there'll be videos there'll be lots of content and she um she explains things really in depth so if you've got a question she probably has at least five thousand words on it on her blog so just go on there ask the blog whatever <laughs> questions you may get the new website looks great so and as always, it's always, a, it's always a pleasure to have you on. I'm sure you'll be on again. <laughs> There's just so much more to talk about. So, In, in season part two. <laughs> exactly. So thanks oh for being God. on and uh, we'll see you in season part two. <laughs> thanks again, Julia.